Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. The episode opens with uh, the live-action reveal of Jedi Ahsoka Tano kicking battle droid butt in the the dead forest on on Corvus. She's ultimately put face-to-face with the evil city magistrate, who we'll learn more about later. Um, She demands information on uh, this person's master. No such wish is granted. Meanwhile, um, Mando and Baby Yoda, who will be referred to uh, heretofore uh, by another name, um, are nearing the planet Corvus. They're in search of uh, Ahsoka as well, of course. Baby Yoda, once again, trying to nab that little chrome ball on the gear shift of the Razor Crest. He uses the force to get it. When they land, Mando takes it back to him, uh, takes it back from him and puts it in his pocket, and they walk into town. Uh, they walk into town. Uh, Din's keeping uh, Baby Yoda hidden in kind of his satchel. Uh, he stands out, and this town is clearly repressed. Uh, there's a guy in the city, and he's like, don't talk to us. Uh, and so the guards uh, call him in, saying the magistrate wants to speak to him. Uh, she clearly lives in like this palace-like area um, that is very uh, Japanese-styled, um, and it's kind of cultural inspiration. And she offers him a staff of pure Beskar to kill the Jedi that has been plaguing her. Uh, and that it is priceless to her uh, to go kill him, and so to go kill the Jedi. And so uh, he sent, she sends him off into the woods to go kill Ahsoka, uh, and her kind of right hand is like, you're going to need a lot of luck out there. Uh, Din gets out to the location as to where Ahsoka's supposed to be, and then boom, she springs him from ahead. Uh, she attacks him with her lightsabers. Uh, he puts up his best guard to block, uh, and ultimately uh, then... Uh, what do you lassoes her with his <laughs> uh sort of draw i don't know what do you what do you would call it um his he ties her up yeah he tie, he ties her up with the rope that's, uh, yeah. that's up his sleeve uh she does a backflip frees herself uh and as they do a quick standoff he yells out her name to confirm that he was sent by bo katan uh and she is very intrigued uh, and is very eager to talk especially if it's about the little green guy that's right. So a- after they've had this little square off, she realizes that uh, Mando maybe kind of comes in peace. So she shows some interest in Baby Yoda, takes the child off to maybe have some kind of like a, a Force-sensitive conversation, returns back to Mando and exclaims that the child's name is Grogu. And back in the day, he was trained at the Jedi Temple during the Clone Wars. Uh, after the Empire took over, um, he was hidden. And beyond that, his memory um, beyond the training is is quite foggy um so uh i guess uh, they run some more tests is that what happens she decides that um that grogu is just too attached to din familially speaking uh for him to be a safe train lots of history of of jedis uh loving someone too much and their fear clouding their uh their um uh purity or or at least their their judgment yeah just they're they're probably not a good candidate and so um they strike up a little deal because there's always a deal in an episode of mando where um uh well what exactly does din want din wants the wants what's best for grogu because he believes so firmly in creeds and religiosity um and what does ahsoka want from mando help me Ahsoka wants some extra help because she can't go and essentially, well, she can absolutely take the entire town by herself. She doesn't need uh, Dan's help, really. But she, and that's why she also doesn't uphold her end of the bargain. 
Um, but she humors him to learn more about him and ensure that the child is in likely the right hands, but offers to uh, train the child or doesn't say that she won't go along with his deal um, and takes his help uh, to be able to kind of hold off the right hand of the magistrate while she takes out all of the guards and then goes and faces the magistrate herself. Um, and while that's going on, uh, Din holds him back. Uh, they kind of do an old Western standoff while Ahsoka does uh, much more of a samurai standoff. Uh, two uh, battles ensue, one of words and blasters where Mando comes out on top and the other of Beskar and lightsabers uh, where the lightsabers come out on top uh, after a little bit of toying and then Ahsoka getting a little angry and then demanding the information that she had asked for the entire time. Where is your master? Where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Ah. And then the big hammer dropped as what is that whole can of worms? And so uh, from there on, we see that uh, the town is saved and they're able to go. And uh, the guy who initially was afraid to talk to Mando, uh, he is reinstated as the magistrate um, or governor. And uh, from there, uh, Ahsoka, Mando basically goes back to get Grogu to try to bring him uh, back to Ahsoka to train. And Ahsoka refuses, saying that the only other option is to go to Tython. Uh, where if Grogu can reach out to the Force, another Jedi may come looking for him uh, with the ability to train him. Otherwise, you're too much like a father, uh, and he's not ready to leave you, and I'm not ready to train someone who's that attached. Right, so what we're kind of afraid of happening through this whole episode uh, is the separation of, of Mando mm. and Grogu. Doesn't happen in the end. In fact, they do fly away together. Thankfully. To head off to yet another place where maybe the Jedi can can help out. Um, for sure, uh, though, I think that these two belong together as partners. That's really what the series is yeah. about. Um, they are going to make us uh, fear about that, probably in an upcoming episode. It's very possible that season two will end with these two going separate ways, and that will definitely hurt, but on purpose. I think that they will be going separate ways because I believe Moff Gideon will kidnap Grogu. Maybe. Um, between these seasons. Yes. Um, I, uh, or, like, because... Or potentially the, a Jedi who does arrive in the very end gets kidnapped the way I thought Ahsoka might get kidnapped for the being with more blood to spare uh, and a high midichlorian count. Uh, but that seems unlikely to introduce in this short amount of time remaining. So I would believe that Grogu would be the more likely one to be um, kidnapped. So let's talk about Ahsoka. There's so many questions to ask you, longtime Clone Wars fan. We've talked about Ahsoka a little bit not so long ago on this podcast when we recapped the final arc of the Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. So I kind of feel like I know her in a minimal way, but maybe more than a lot of Mandalorian fans who are now seeing her for the first time. Uh, first things first, uh, how do you feel seeing her uh, in live action? Does she feel like Ahsoka? Um it's, I mean, this is a different performer taking on this now iconic character. Did it translate for you? It did. Yep. It definitely, definitely did. Uh, there was, I, I think the internet was overwhelmingly positive, and I think that's that's great. Uh, and I was really, really, really happy Good. with it as, as an overall. Uh, I, I was mixed at points, especially throughout the first viewing, uh, significantly less so uh, after following viewings I've, I've watched it i think four times now and it's it's great and there are shots and parts of the episode that are significantly more ahsoka than others okay but 
that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't kind of run throughout the entire episode as well. It's just, I've spent like, Ahsoka might be the character with the most screen time in all of Star Wars. True. She might be. Yeah. And if that's the case, uh, maybe, maybe Anakin, um, but probably not. Uh, and so with that, if, with that being the case, you get so familiar with this character that you understand them. And when they seem different, it's going to stand out to you. But we knew Ahsoka from the age of 14 to 17. And then from the age of like at the age of like 33, I think it was, or something like that. Uh, and she's 46 here. Yeah. And so, or 33 or in her or mid 30s or whatever. Um, and she's 46 here. We don't know what's occurred in the last decade of Ahsoka's life. And she has much more melancholy. There's clearly, it, it's clearly not a, a happy story. No. It, it, it's been rough. She's completely alone. Uh, she's by herself on this mission where she's angry. It's, she needs to find Thrawn. Um, and I think there's a degree, a little bit of maybe distrust in herself as well as to why she didn't want to take on Grogu, but was still felt that maybe there was another Jedi who could. And so I think that was mainly my only reservation at the start. And I think it really came from now. I'm really, really intrigued about kind of the subtlety that's built in throughout that performance, because I'm still able to see the original Ahsoka and that shines through now every time I see it after um, and then the parts that feel a little different and like, oh, that's a little, um, that's a, that, that's a, that's a little intentional, a little murdery at the start. Um, yeah, and yeah. There, there are some shots that looked a little odd and like they had to shrink the Montrals, uh, which is the headpiece, um, because, well, they, they tried it a little larger, but apparently for stunts, it made it, it like, this was the reason as to why they went with the sizing that they did. Uh, and it even looks a little larger in the like the posters, for example. What about the size but of her I, eyes? Because I remember you saying before that her eyes need to be a little bit bigger than your typical uh, humanoid person. Um, it doesn't look odd to me. Like it, 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 if her eyes have been enlarged for the show, it's very believable to the extent where you're like, well, maybe Rosario Dawson just has huge eyes, and I just never noticed. It, it works, hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it, it, it did work. It yeah. worked much better than I expected it to Yeah, uh, in that regard. with o and, and I still think it could have maybe made her look a little bit more like the character with slightly enlarged eyes. But it, it, it didn't need to. And then budgetary reasons, I get why they did that. Uh, there have been some people who have had issues with the with the leku, which would be the hanging down part of the of the headpiece, the mantras. Okay. Um, and that would it, some people thought it looked a little like foam, which it probably was some form of. Uh, I saw it more as like, the way skin folds yeah. and the fact that yeah, so I, I liked it whereas most people saw it as um a bit of a of a, of a take back on that so mm -hmm. I, I, no most most of it, it gets me excited um about the potential and i think that rosario dawson did a really good job and i would be shocked if there's not in an Ahsoka series next, yeah, or that, not necessarily next, but in the works um, that seriously just got bumped up on the green light scale. Maybe that, that definitely seems to be a consensus for, for a lot of people that this kind of felt like a backdoor pilot for, uh, for an Ahsoka series. 
I don't know if I necessarily felt that instinct, but I'd be open to it because I, I, I mean, I've loved everything I've seen of her. I know that there's a history where she took some getting used to early on in the Clone Wars, but now only a couple seasons. Yeah, no, now she's she's pretty hardcore. And one of the observations I had when we watched those uh, final Clone Wars episodes was she is so acrobatic. It, it it works, and, and frankly, quite violent. She has a violent streak in her as a younger person. Anakin was her master. Makes a lot of sense. So um, it, it works fine. Just the physicality of Ahsoka works fine in an animated context. I wondered how well it would translate. Well, two things. She's older, and so maybe mm-hmm. she doesn't have to move as quickly. Um, but also... It works fine. She works very. She moves very quickly, and she. Oh yeah. She can handle herself. <laughs> like she, it's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Rosario Dawson was cast very likely in part for her physicality. She's yeah. very, very capable in this, uh, and it's proven. The flips are great. The movement. I mean, obviously there was stunt work as well done by people, uh, but you can see the parts where they're that are clearly not stunt work, and. She's really intense in it, but she's able to kind of break back and forth between those two. The flips are good. Uh, the movement on the roof was very Ahsoka. Uh, the movement felt very Ahsoka, but a little older. And that would make sense that she wouldn't be as acrobatic as she would be when she's a fucking teenager. And hey, and so it worked. It really worked. Lightsabers. Really nice to see some like serious lightsaber action on my home screen for the first time in a very long time. White lightsabers, no less, which yes. which we knew, but um, she's using... They look so badass in live action. Mm-hmm. They look so badass in live action. Yeah, angelic. Because also, Rebels had a really thin quality to the lightsabers. Yeah. And so this is the best look we've ever had of the sabers to make them really feel real. Uh, and there's a significant difference in their length too, which is accurate. Uh, I, I, it was it brought to life wonderfully. Is this the first time it's been uh, so clear to us that lightsabers um, can't penetrate Beskar steel? Because that was really surprising to me that they can have a duel with this big Beskar um, uh, spear. And I mean, the first thing that came to my head was the fact that a lightsaber did kill Jango Fett. But I guess there's no Beskar steel on his neck piece or whatever. Yep, abs- and, and that's that's absolutely one of the one of the key angles. Um, we also don't know exactly if uh, the Fett armor is Beskar. It wasn't in Legends. It likely is in Canon now, um, yeah. just because it would just make more sense. The same way that I believe that the Dark Troopers will be made from Beskar and not Frick. Um, but the way that the way that it was used and the way that it's done in battle, uh, that that is a, a consistency in Star Wars, that Beskar cannot be penetrated, and that's why the Mandalorians were able to fight. Most people were surprised by that and thought it was amazing, and I thought it was amazing the way that it was done, the way that Din was able to block it. I don't know if this is the case, but I would believe that lightsabers can probably cut through Beskar. Yes, with some effort. But my... Yes, my guess is, though, no one's going to be leaving their arm out for, like... Like, you know the way Qui-Gon, how much effort it takes for him to cut through those blast doors? Yeah. My guess is that you maybe need that much effort to cut through some tinfoil Beskar. So, like, I, I believe it could be done. It's just, it's so much more resistant. The same way that anything would have a melting point. And in the cases of duels and uh, this use case, um, I imagine... It, it, it can hold up and it clearly did and that's very likely din will what din will be using to fight moff gideon and that that's likely the lightsaber fight that 
Gideon or uh, Giancarlo Esposito referenced. You know, it's we've talked about it before, but it is funny how much that Qui-Gon scene at the start of The Phantom Menace, him like trying to get through those blast doors. That is such a like neutralizer. It's such a case study for me in the power of a lightsaber against like other crude materials. And so it's, it's funny. It's a cool moment. Absolutely. It's so cool. Okay, so I want to talk about some other people and as they relate to, to uh, Ahsoka. So we've now seen... Um, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan who are kind of a singular unit in those episodes of Clone Wars that I've seen and so to me they're um, they're kind of a team it would be so interesting to see these two together in live they, action they, that was very much their first team up mm -hmm. um, or I guess yeah their, their first team up from the start they certainly started out as enemies uh, and that's why there was a little reluctance in Bo-Katan approaching Ahsoka but Ahsoka being the one who had understood the errors of the Jedi a little bit more than others and had been kind of cast aside. Do you think these two but will be uh, brought together in this at show? At some point, yes. Yeah. At, at some point, I do. Uh, I think Ahsoka will likely come back in this show in, in some capacity, in probably a small capacity, um, because I believe that she will get a spinoff. Um, yeah. Whereas I think Bo-Katan... And I, th I think there is actually still a chance that Bo-Katan could get a spinoff, to be honest. Um, but I think... I, I would imagine that Bo-Katan makes more logical sense to be in the Mandalorian universe. Yes. She is a Mandalorian, and she is the heiress to Mandalore. And I think that it would make sense if she had grief cargo regularity mm -hmm. in the series moving forward. Whereas Ahsoka can have like, um, I'm trying to think of somebody who's cool regularity, right? Uh, two or three, two or three episodes of significant importance, and then, uh, can deviate from the show's path and go on her own large journey. Whereas I think Bo-Katan belongs more in the longer term planning. Well, I, I, we have reason to believe, I think that uh, Rosario Dawson is is been brought on for at least a semi-long haul. They didn't just bring her in for one episode. That's a very fair assumption. So whether it's more um, utilization in this series or in her own spinoff, which would be very reasonable because she's been central to other Star Wars episodic installments before she's very precious to dave filoni who of course is is powerful and in a good way um and so th that would be fine i i do start to worry that we're we're presuming there are far too many um spin-offs in the works and just because there's a cool character doesn't mean they should have their own show and it should only be one cool character per tv show i think what you said about bo katan being the heiress of mandalore and therefore belonging on the show called The Mandalorian makes plenty of sense. And frankly, she's cool. She's not cool enough to be the star of her own show. No, I would agree that there would need to be a lot more supporting around that. And that's why I think that this is uh, a, mu a much better fit in that regard. So and so you think probably Gideon, the, the lead antagonist for The Mandalorian, Thrawn, the lead antagonist for the Ahsoka show? I... To be honest, no, I actually don't. Okay. That my 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 ultimate belief and hope, to be honest, is that's the misconception that we will run with for a long time. And the majority, like if they did an Ahsoka show, which I mean, of the things that they have in the works, I, I've been saying for a long time that the Rebels sequel show is in the works. Yeah. It's a matter of whether it's animated or live action, or maybe they'll do two. 
Um, and I've always thought that. And th that's what this is. Uh, an Ahsoka show would be a live-action Rebels sequel or would be something that was one of the first complete handshake shows where there was like one timeline of this character is told in animation and they would run a live action one at the same time. Like it, but Ahsoka would be the character that you would do that experimentation with uh, because she has been the, the face of new star Wars the most consistently for a really long period of time. And interestingly enough, I just looked at IMDb today, the top seven rated things in star Wars and all of star Wars ratings are um, from number one to number seven, the final four episodes of Clone Wars. Those are the top four rated things in all of Star Wars. They're rated 9.9, okay. 9.9, 9.9, .9, 9 .9, and 9.8. Yikes. With okay. thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of, like, so these are he heavily reviewed aspects. Um, after that is Twilight of the Apprentice, which would be the, ep would be the season two finale of Rebels, where Ahsoka uh, appears to die uh, against her fight uh, with Darth Vader. Um, she ultimately, of course, does not. Um, the sixth ranked episode um, is another episode in Clone Wars. And the seventh ranked thing in all of Star Wars and IMDb is this episode of The Mandalorian. So, so no movies. No. I mean, and that's obviously ridiculous, but that's also because these, like, the, the eternity of time and the way the movies are ranked on something like IMDb. But what I'm just kind of getting at in the general, that's a, that's a good way to glean a consensus of review and that Ahsoka turns up for, for Disney. Ahsoka has been a winner for them in the reviews category and building fan base. And so when you look at the things that they can put in the hopper, this one, they just got confirmation makes total sense for them to do. Yeah. And it's a bit, it's a business. So I just, I don't see it not happening, but back to my point on Thrawn, I think Thrawn's been working with Ezra. I think that's the reason as to why she's so pissed. She can't find Ezra, why they have failed or why they've not had any success to this point or why she's still um, in, in such anger to find him. My guess is that because the empire fell, Thrawn has no need for the empire anymore or being aligned with them. He has his other goals to protect the Chiss um, and to protect the galaxy and adjacent galaxies from marauders called the Grisk. And, and so, so he has ulterior motives. And I ultimately think that would be kind of uh, an interesting dynamic and would be something later revealed to have multiple sides and confusion as to, okay, who are your allegiances with? Um, and making Thrawn a more... Um, intriguing character as the books don't necessarily portray him as evil but calculating ezra is the youthful dark-ish hero of rebels he's kind of the lead character of rebels and he sort of dances around turning evil at some point uh he does a little bit but fully fully rejects it okay uh, and he ends up with thrawn because he catapults them through hyperspace to get rid of thrawn and so, so they're on a star destroyer catapulted to unknown uh, space and so my guess is they've been shipwrecked somewhere and then Thrawn and Ezra right. realize they're not so different because that's a bit of Thrawn's like thing he he, he he's not in it for the Empire mm -hmm. he's in it for the Chiss and is lying to everyone in the Empire and Thrawn has been in an animated series before he's in Rebels he is in Rebels and has had his own book series and was the main um, antagonist in the Heir to the Empire series, which was the first series of novels released to take place post-Return of the Jedi in the 90s. They were massively successful uh, and were the only 
Star Wars that existed for a decade before the prequels came back and are now legends, but some people still consider it to be some of the best things in Star Wars, although it's really not. Some aspects of it, like Thrawn, really are. Uh, Want to talk about Corvus? Uh, some of the best set design I've seen in Star Wars in years. Like it looked, oh my god, yes, like comic booky and like the cinematography of it. Just in general, the art design of this episode was stunning. How long have I been asking for a different colored atmosphere? Yeah, that's so right. long. Yeah, green atmosphere. Thank you. Totally. Thank you, Star Wars. Yeah, that is so doable in the volume, and it looked so. It was just, it was so cool. It, 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 there was nothing that was extreme about the terrain, mm -hmm. but the atmosphere, and you're right, like the, how close the moon was, so that the way that the shots could be done in that, like, and the trees, the way that they were stripped, but the fact that things could still be green on the end, it, it was just such a beautifully shot episode. Every, every, and the inspiration yeah. from such Star Wars um, inspirations. Yeah, every frame is a painting. There, like you could so easily make a twelve-month calendar or an eighteen-month calendar out of just shots from this episode. Did you watch the concept art in the credits? No, I'm bad for that. I don't stick around for that, and I should. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is, and yeah. so it, it it also shows clearly um, the intention for Ahsoka's montrals to be larger as well. Well, um, but there's some really cute shots uh, about of like her meeting Grogu and Grogu and Din. And the other inspiration, and you alluded to this in the recap, is how um, how heavily this episode is a tribute to Kurosawa filmmaking, um, mm. which is of course integral to the inspiration of Star Wars in general. And I think Filoni uh, deliberately wanted to acknowledge that in this episode. And so it's it there. I mean, there are direct references cinematographically speaking, but then just the fact that it there's like a very clear like um, imperial yeah, kind. Of, say it again. You know who was on set for this one? Oh, was Mr. Lucas there? Mr. Lucas was there. Ooh, cool. Yeah, so apparently the famous photo that went around in January of George Lucas holding Baby Yoda, Rosario Dawson is standing right behind the photographer. Oh, cool. Fully dressed as Ahsoka. Yeah. <laughs> and this is months before anybody knows anything, but uh, so, yeah, so he, he was on set for, for his apprentice's uh, big day. Um, evil magistrate Morgan Elsbeth, does she have any other existing canon in Star Wars? She felt kind of backstoried to me. Oh, you know, just like her cousin Tyler Smith and, and you know, they're, they're placed down at the Burger King on, like, Town Street. Like, it would, Morgan Elsbeth? What kind of Star Wars name is that? Oh, you think? Yeah, I don't like that at all. Oh. Uh, I, thought it, I thought it was a terrible Star Wars name. I thought it was way too earthy. It was... Like oh it's uh oh you know uh, Timothy uh, Townsend yeah. or um you know a, a Craig Melbourne <laughs> I'm just like what the fuck that's okay. not a Star Wars name that's just a reasonable human name it's um, just not at all how I felt about it like I completely had the opposite feeling I was like oh that's a human name but it kind of works in Star Wars the way some human names do uh, that's the thing Morgan could have worked and Elsbeth could have worked but you couldn't do both okay the same with Luke. <laughs> Could not work with a Smith. Right. Um, but you could put like Gorgishbon Smith. Yeah. That'd be funny in Star Wars and would work the same way Luke Skywalker works. Right. Um, yeah, you can't have. But you can also do your big dark lighters too. You can go full crazy on both, but not Earth on both. Yeah, nobody can be named Norm MacDonald in the Star Wars universe. That would be wrong. Exactly. Yeah. That is a perfect example. <laughs> uh, but I did like her as a character. I Me thought too. she was really cool. Um, I think there will be clearly more um tales of her kind 
there was some information that she was from one of the non-Night Sister tribes on Dathomir, which would be consistent with her people being slaughtered. However, someone made a what I thought was a much better guess was that she was part of the Ming Po race, which was a group that was attacked by Mandalorians and then taken over by the Empire uh, during the Clone Wars, which would have been an even better fit. And the tattoos fit that better. But um, she appears to have undergone a lot of shit uh, and is now uh, likely working directly with Thrawn. Uh, Thrawn is uh, a resource hound. Uh, he is a, he's a, he's a pillager for sure. Okay, now the other most important thing about this episode is Grogu. It's uh, the name. Let's start there. We yep. got to start there. Yep. I like it. Me too. Um, you you remember me mentioning this the week prior, right? Yeah, you did call it. Yeah, I had heard it. Uh, Kevin Smith pointed me in the in the right direction or mentioned it. I was listening to his podcast. But it was, uh, it seemed weird written down, but seemed great, especially after his reaction. Uh, like Ahsoka's line, um, Grogu and I can feel each other's thoughts. Grogu. Huh? I know. <laughs> Just like the little, like, he knew exactly. I was like, oh my God, finally, my name is not Kid. <laughs> <laughs> he does continue to call him Kid a little bit in the episode, which is fine. And Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super sweet, but it is. It, I thought it really worked. Me too. It's not universally uh, appreciated, no. but but why do you think that is? Like, it's it's no sillier than Yoda, except Yoda is a name that's existed for forty years. So, like, what people are, wanted it to start with a Y. Oh, I don't know. Is that why, or is that just some dumb excuse? No, I think I think that's it to a degree because Yoda Yaddle, uh, and but at the same time. You're right. It's it's not Baby Yoda, and so that's of course going to annoy people. I well, think it I think it works, and you can imagine like imagine y Yoda saying it. Who probably Yoda probably named him. Wow, that's that's maybe true. I also think it's ridiculous to make any kind of monumental uh, uh, saga defining choice based on Yaddle ever having existed when all, it's all they can do to pretend Yaddle never existed at all. For example, in this episode, and maybe you can color some background here for me, yeah. why doesn't Ahsoka know who Yaddle is? Yaddle died um, between the Phantom Menace and the Clone Wars, and Ahsoka was only, um, like, she was like a young, like, she was like a Padawan, Padawan learner. Um, before, like, not a Padawan learner, that was what she was under Anakin. She was a uh, a youngling. She was a youngling. Yeah. Thank you. She she was, I guess, still technically a youngling um, while Yaddle was on the council and she died prior to being in cahoots with the with the higher ups. I do bet they wish that Yaddle was never there. It just kind of is in the way. Yeah. Yaddle was backup Yoda. Yeah. So when they were going through mock-ups of what Yoda would look like, they mocked up Yaddle, which was just be Yoda with Qui-Gon's hair. And Ugh. then they were like, This looks like a woman. <laughs> and so they had another puppet and then they put her on the council. It was their first attempt at Yoda. Right. And so uh, it looks ridiculous. Yaddle had a cool kind of, uh, and Yaddle exists in canon, like Jedi Fallen Order. There's this really cool little uh, uh, tidbit where this fat little alien, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember. But he's the guy who run, who's the pilot of the ship that your main character Jedi, Cal, um, is, is, uh, the stinger mantis. It's the part of, it's the crew he's on. 
And so he's like, you know, I knew this Jedi once. She, they came in, saved people, a little green, absolutely brilliant, one of the most amazing I've ever seen. Oh, Master Yoda? No, I'm talking about Yaddle. <laughs> Yaddle was incredible. And, and so like that was just I think that was one of the only canon references to Yaddle. And it's just like a little background conversation. So you're definitely right. There's not been uh, much use. And they're using Grogu to tell more stories about this race. And that's the appropriate choice because Grogu is fucking adorable. It is. I just I, I I find it so silly when people feel like they are entitled to a say in the matter or if like they thought it might be a cute idea if his name also had a Y. But then that yeah. means they're completely not open to anything else. Like a lot of Star Wars characters have silly names. Yoda is one of them. And yeah. Gro Grogu, while it doesn't really incorporate many of the same letters, kind of sounds like Yoda in a strange way. I actually think it falls in form with with this mysterious race quite neatly. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it certainly works, um, and it further aligns with the theory that I've had, um, which I'm sticking with. That nobody I've heard absolutely nowhere else, um, and that is, I think there's going to be a very scary scene when uh, Grogu goes into like a hibernation. Um, oh, maybe because because I I, I think Grogu is going to grow, level up. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very much what it's how it's going to be done. It's going to be a very weird aging process. And like it will be like he'll sleep and then like a month later he'll be a foot taller. That might bother people because they're so they're so in love with him as a baby. Yeah, but you do that at like the end of the series or something. So two questions about Grogu then. Who was the Jedi that hid him? What happened to his memory thereafter, I guess? And also... What Jedi is he going to meet when he's placed upon the stone on Tython? Are we going to run into a Luke? Is there going to be some kind of Mace Windu storyline entering here? Uh, what other Jedis are going to be involved in his life? Uh, my first actual thought, um, actually, surprising, like, surprisingly, this was like a weird gut kind of reaction that I got. And I mentioned him a little while back as a character who survived Order 66 that I wanted to see brought back into a show. And I've actually seen on a couple of the podcasts or heard on a couple of the podcasts, they're like them bringing this up as well. But Quinlan Voss would be an interesting character yeah. to come back. Uh, and that was uh, the guy with the the yellow tattoo across his face in the background of the Phantom Menace. And he was introduced um, as a very interesting character in the Clone Wars. And then there was a book that uh, Katie Lucas, Katie Lucas, George Lucas' daughter, wrote an arc on the Clone Wars. Um, which centered around Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss. Uh, and then Clone Wars was canceled, and they turned it into a book. And it was absolutely excellent. Um, and Quinlan's, Quinlan Voss is a really great character. And so he would be an interesting one uh, to potentially come back. There's someone like Cal Kestis, who was specifically uh, looking to protect uh, the next generation of young Jedi. There's someone like Ezra, who we've been introducing characters in this kind of uh, timeline that works. Ezra also holds a stronger connection to the non-human force sensitives than um, human force sensitives. And so that's something that nobody seems to be mentioning, but is an, kind of another area that could point to it being Ezra. But I would imagine, once again, like Ezra makes about as much sense as having Ahsoka and, like, right. be the trainer. So why like, it doesn't really align, in my opinion. Uh, it could be no one that calls calls out uh or grogu calls out to um it could alert palpatine mm. uh and then of course there is the the most obvious carrot tease of them all 
uh, and the big question mark and the would they really do it is Luke Skywalker. Right. Uh, I don't think Mace Windu. I don't think that would make any real sense. If they're going to bring him back, he really needs to die. Uh, like properly. Uh, yeah, but also within the time period between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Uh, if you if you're ever going to bring him back, he is not living for any more than five, ten more years after his current believed death. In my in my opinion, it's crazy. If you well, then that. then it can't be who uh, Grogu calls out to in no, the times of the Mandalorian. No, I, but that could be Luke, who, by the way, is uh, certainly much younger than Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy, but a little bit older than Return of the Jedi. Can Mark Hamill play that character in this time period? It would depend. Uh, it would all depend on how much the character needed to be in it. Yeah. Uh, and you could clearly flash back a little bit like they did in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you could, if you're going to do it in a small capacity, people are clamoring on the internet for friggin' Sebastian Stan again. Um, and so it, do you give in to the internet again and do what you did with Rosaria Dawson? Um, and well, work that time. I don't think it's going to work this time the same way. Um, it's nothing against Sebastian Stan, who's a fine no. actor and, and he does kind of in the odd picture bear a resemblance to a younger Mark Hamill. But like, first of all, I think anytime you can get Mark Hamill, you should, and, yes, and I'm pretty sure you can. Like he's he's pretty famously game for stuff, especially if it's being done well. And yeah, this is being done well. And I mean, you would have to young him down, no question. But look, that's far. That's not exactly beyond the powers of Disney in 2021. No, it's not. It would come down to budget, and then that would be season three's budget, which they don't need to worry about now. Uh, and you write it this way so that potentially you can go and consider that and you have that as an option. Um, not likely and they likely have know exactly what they're doing uh, and yeah. have already sought approval before writing that in. I would True. certainly hope so. Uh, but I, I, I would be, I would much prefer it to be Mark Hamill. I, I, I certainly would. Uh, the thought of Sebastian Stan or somebody else I would rather it be somebody else than Sebastian Stan because I would rather somebody else be able to work with Mark Hamill and do two person to do the role. Uh, it's a, something where you can, if you're going to do a small amount of Luke Skywalker, you can invest in having two people do the role by having Mark Hamill voice. Um, and then you deep fake as opposed to um, doing uh, whatever bullshit CGI that they do. Yeah, uh, because it looks a billion times better. Different uh, broad hypothetical. Will Grogu ever see a force ghost Yoda? I think it's very possible. That'd be cool. I think it's very possible. Yeah. I loved the little smile and shared moment that they had when Ahsoka mentioned Yoda. Yeah. Uh, and then Grogu looked up and then they kind of shared that smile. That was actually the first moment that I had where I was like, oh, there's Ahsoka. Mm. Like when I was watching the episode for the first time and I that got, like, I was already fully into it because I was, loved, I was loving the episode regardless. Um, but you could see that smile and the poncho that she was wearing. It was just, and she was very relaxed and you could just, you could really see it. But then in the same way, this character has been reserved and on guard the entire episode. So of course that's going to be the first time that you're going to kind of see that sort of light being shown. Uh, but I think it would make sense. Uh, he's gone to a lot of other Jedi. Not like uh, he, he, uh, like Yoda is so damn powerful and has trained every Jedi 
that went through the temple. Including Grogu. Uh, including Grogu. He was yeah. absolutely one of the many masters Grogu had. Yeah. Uh, and I assume Yaddle was too, probably. Weird. Um, Mace Windu probably was. Now Mace Windu wasn't. That was uh, Mace Windu would have been too good for that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think it was really cool the way Ahsoka had the conversation with Grogu and like she was able to sort of understand him, but then was able to certainly understand his name was Grogu. Yeah. And translate that. That was great. So is it safe to assume, considering how many potential Jedi's get turned down for training because of the fear they possess, is it safe to assume the galaxy is just polluted with people who could have been Jedi except for their love in their life? Uh, no, because the, well, no, uh, the, if you were in the Republic, if your world was in the Republic, they had a system for being able to identify you they had enough posts, outposts to be able to ensure that anyone with a strong enough force sensitivity was able to be, um, so you could have a mom and located. a dad. Okay. No, no, no. So you were taken away as a child. Oh. You were approached to your mother, which is not cool, uh, but you were approached to your parents. Like your your child is special. We would like to take them and raise them in the Jedi temple. And, and that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Parents obliged. Um, in the case of Anakin, Anakin was on a backwater planet, was a slave. And so there are definitely, Tamiri Black, right. that's stable, that's Broom Boy. Yes. He, he's, he's an example of the potential of the galaxy, that there's so much more potential He's on the grid um, in, in the underprivileged parts in the same way that it is on Earth. Okay. You look at the talent and like the, the brilliant minds that could live in some of the poorest places in the world um, and their inability to be able to utilize that on nothing of their choice, but just bad circumstance um, and the gifts that some people just will never be able to utilize. And so that's why Luke Skywalker and Anakin are such special stories, um, because they're the outliers, yet they're at the center of the story at the same time. So. Right. Anything you didn't like about this episode? Anything that you would you would take back? The, the timing. Um, Mando was able to go on his side adventure. Uh, Bo knew that she was going to be in the city of Caladan on the planet of Corvus. And she was still there. And that she decided that she was going to give them one more day. And then Mando shows up in, the, in that one day time period. And just so that they've got the perfect... Uh, window of opportunity and this was after like did both come straight from ahsoka and then ahsoka was just like you know i'm gonna just take the weekend and then i'll go to like walk into caladan and tell them that i'm there and then i'll ask for i need to know about the master um and then i'll give them a day and then so Bo goes and finds mandalorian and was like oh go to the city like it's it just it, it's impossible the way that the timing works uh it's so convenient yeah. Aside from that, and you suspend the disbelief in that, um, there's a couple murder, really murdery shots, and a little too much enjoyment on uh, Rosario Dawson's face. Okay. <laughs> in set shots, um, but no. Other than that, there really wasn't. I don't think. I don't think it was one of the top eight things in Star Wars. Like for example, like comparing it to like that, like that IMDb thing. Yeah. Like and even even comparing it, like, is it a top eight episode of Star Wars television? Probably not. Interesting. Is it a top fifteen? Probably. See, so. I, I I it's so funny. We always have that that instinct to rate things 
in Star Wars more than anywhere else for some reason in pop culture. And I do it too. And my first instinct was like, wow, this is as good as some of the better Star Wars movies. And a part of, yeah. me, st- part of me still feels that way. And I think it's harmless to say so because it's generally a, a positive instinct and that's good. But it does frustrate me that so many... And you and I have, you know, we're on the record saying what we say about the sequel trilogy, which by and large, I really like, um, but it's flawed and that's fine. Um, yeah. it, it, it frustrates me that so many people think that they're making some kind of um, uh, well-informed uh, hot take stance when they say the Mandalorian is so much better than the sequel trilogy. I, I don't see why you can't just... Um, in an, like I, in a, well, that or in an isolated way, like the Mandalorian, without having to put something else down. Like, yeah, it, it's it, you. D- look, you're connecting with this thing. You didn't connect with something else. Neither of those facts are a crime. Um, but it, it's just unfortunate that we can't even. And when I say we, I mean the royal we as a Star Wars fan base. We, for some reason, have this problem uh, assigning any kind of. Uh, uh, credibility to something without taking it away from somewhere else i don't know why even our positives have to be um laced with a negativity like a um yeah i think it's toxic i mean that's what fan culture tends to be yeah no i I would certainly agree um but no i and i think on the positive side of things i think it is and by saying it is one of the uh, like best things in star wars it is and and that's because the Mandalorian is one of the best things in Star Wars right. as an overall. Uh, and that's the best part about television. The worst things in all of Star Wars, full stop, mm-hmm. not even close, come from animation. But they come were, from the Resistance and Clone Wars. But they were and just episodes of TV and then they're over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the reason as to why movies carry a different level of weight. Um, because you need to be significantly smarter with your decisions and you can't play a long game the same way. Right. Whereas there can be like the second episode of this season, second episode, the second episode of the season plot wise is not that important. Right. The second episode of this season is extremely important for the character development. And so that you can understand the overall story. And so just because you may not like the episode, it has allowed you to like, other parts of the series more right and star wars as a whole more and so you have to be able to evaluate the forest and the trees almost um and so i i think that's way better and that's why star wars uh, it just it fits so right with television yeah uh, and i think that's so exciting as to the possibilities as to what's going to come um and i think there's going to be a lot to come and uh, live action Thrawn. Uh, be very curious to see that. And I, I'm really loving the amount of uh, online support uh, that is spilling over from Katie Sackoff playing Bo-Katan and people who are uh, actually Googling who who voiced Thrawn and realizing how perfect Lars Mikkelsen would be for that. Maybe it'll happen. Yeah, I would. I would love it. I think that would be great. Actually, um, I I never. I didn't watch House of Cards, but I watched um, his scenes from House of Cards. He played um, Viktor Petrov, who is like the Vladimir Putin. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, so you watched it. That that dude is kind of scary, and yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that's the guy. 
And so I watched his Coast of Cards episodes and I was like, oh, this is like this is just extra confirmation. And he was amazing in Sherlock as well. Um, nice. And so I, I think because of the pedigree that he certainly has as an actor and also the fact that his brother was in Star Wars as well, that he's already the voice of the character. Yeah, uh, well, helps. and we've talked about this before. It was a long time ago. We were discussing like in a perfect world who would play uh, Thrawn. And I do remember us saying that like your Michael Fassbender type movie star would be suitable for a role like that. Might be true, but if we're going to do an episodic Thrawn, it's not going to be an A-list movie star. And maybe that's hmm. for the best. Uh, I think it absolutely is for the best. And I also think that's generally the best for Star Wars. Yes, me too. Um, for the most part across the board. And like, yes, someone like uh, Michael Fassbender, a lot of people have thrown out there. And I think he would do a good job. But at the same time, you you people think that because he was young Magneto, and because yeah. he is uh, he was Steve Jobs, and, and, and it's for the same shown. reason for the same people same reason people still say that um, you know like uh, I don't know James McAvoy. Walter White would have made a really good Lex Luthor. Brian oh, Grant, like, okay, that's a good. I was I was gonna go. I mean, a more obvious example is James Bond. Like James McAvoy could play a really good uh, James Bond. Like, no, you you're forgetting that it's never been good when it's somebody you know that well. Mm, yes, that's a, that's a very good. Yeah, point. yeah. Like, um, that's the reason why we love Daniel Craig was because yeah. he was he was like, oh, that guy. Maybe I've seen him in a thing. If you were British. You'd say that maybe? Yeah. Not American though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, unless you're like a big layer cake fan. <laughs> the only things that I would take back are such small, uh, unnecessary things. Um, I think Mando leaves the Razor Crest wide open when he walks into town and that that's bothers funny. me. Like it's it's a thing that happens. That's reasonable, yeah. It's a thing that happens in in television when they like walk into an apartment and the door is still open when they walk in. It's just like it's this weird little thing that like Anyway, it stands out, I think, more to people than the makers of TV realize. I actually don't care at all about the Beskar um, uh, spear. I, I, something about spears are stupid to me. And I think it's just he's not going to have a use for that or it's going to like be in the way or something. I want it to get in the way. Mm -hmm. I want it to be too long. Okay. And then I want him to break it. <laughs> okay. And then give the, the bottom quarter to Grogu. Ah, Grogu's got his little fighting stick, right? It's just a little too big for him. He doesn't have to. He doesn't practice with something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's boring, but uh, Armando needs to be able to take on uh, a lightsaber, and this is the best way for him to be. You're right. This that. is how he's going to have a lightsaber duel. That's true. Yeah, it's 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 just he needs to be the he's the protagonist. He needs to be the one to take on Gideon at some point, and this is the only item that he has. And this, along with his blaster and jetpack, will make him. Very formidable. We should do trivia questions, I guess. I, I've got a couple of trivia questions here. Um, I did struggle actually a little bit with my trivia. Uh, me too. Come up with many, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Nice and easy, Padawan question. Uh, what does Lang presume about Mando when they first meet outside the gates? What does he presume about Mando? He compliments him on his armor, and then he asks him, "Oh, if he's a hunter?" That's right. And then he says. Guild, uh, and then yes, guild. Last time I checked, yeah. What does that mean uh, that exactly? Goes, like, are, are, you, are you are you like on the grid as a hunter? Is that what he's saying? Like, you belong to some kind of organization? Oh, guild. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in the guild in season one. Grief Targa yeah. um, was his guild leader. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I've actually I gave away my two Padawan questions. So yeah, far. I know we've been having a, a pretty intense conversation. 
yeah, what what type of droids acted as Morgan's two primary guards? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. They're like battle droids, I guess. Yeah, they're HK-87 assassin well, droids. Well, that's so funny because I was actually... I have that here, um, but it's as a part of my um, my Jedi Knight question for you. What language do the HK-87 assassin droids speak? Oh, are you fucking kidding me? That is a wonderfully deep cut. Um, the HK-87 assassin droids um, are part... Are, Follow-ups to the HK-47 assassin droids, which were um, assassin droids that were your sidekick in Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, okay. And uh, the, this character, um, he, he called humans meatbags uh, <laughs> and was one of the most like loved characters in Legends um, and was considered by a lot of people to be the inspiration for uh, the character Triple Zero in uh, Dr. Afra, which is uh, a protocol droid who's been also programmed for torture, and K2SO. So kind of like a blend of those two. And so a very, very good character. And so these are the, the I guess, 40 versions later, yeah. uh, the HK-87s. Um, with all of that logic uh, and the fact that they work for Thrawn, uh, Cybisti is the closest thing I can guess. Look, I mean, w w all of what you just said sounds very informed, so I'm not going to tell you you're incorrect. But in this episode, they speak Hatties. Um, oh, my God. Hatties sounded it, and it seems so logical. I went with Thrawn's native language because I figured that was the more educated guess, but Hatties is exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> I mean, look. It, it, well, Hatties is such an easy one to understand you one, hear it so much in the in the OT. right one of them says boshuda which translates to greetings in hatties uh, but what you said sounded good too <laughs> yeah man I, if it had been cybisti that would have been i would have been so damn proud of myself yeah especially for the uh the mental gymnastics to get there yeah, no kidding uh, uh night question okay me, i guess all right uh what are uh morgan's garbs armed with oh she does say but I don't know. I don't remember. A350 blaster rifles. Okay. Is that a, a, a weapon that's used elsewhere? I don't know. I'm not a huge blaster nerd, so I only know kind of the main ones. I know you're going to get this, but it still seemed otherwise like a Jedi Master question because you are the master, but this is not something anyone else would would know, or at least not the layman would know. Uh, what I hope I do after that intro. No, you will, you will. Uh, what animal alludes to Ahsoka in this chapter even before oh. she appears? Oh, yes, the convoy. That's right. Uh, I was I was so proud of myself. I noticed that the first time, and I um, somebody else described it this way, so I'm not the first one to say it, um, but the gif of Leonardo DiCaprio on the couch, or the meme uh, from um, the, what's the Hollywood one? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once upon a time, how, yeah. the, when he's like pointing, like, oh, oh, right, right. That's, that was exactly how I felt when I was, I was like, Morai, Morai, because uh, that's the name of the, the convoy. Um, it's like Ahsoka, an owl, right? It looks a little bit like an owl and it follows her around. It's an owl, yes. When ah Ahsoka died uh, on Mortis and her uh, life was saved by the daughter of Mortis, she transferred her life essence into Ahsoka to save her because she was dying. And so she gave her her last little bit of essence, which she's a god. So that was enough to bring Ahsoka back to life. Uh, Morai was uh, the the daughter of Mortis's, I don't know, uh, pet spiritual companion. Yeah. yeah, pet kind of. It was an owl who followed her around uh, and then continued to follow Ahsoka around throughout the Clone Wars and then into Rebels. Uh, and so as soon as I saw an owl in the trees, 
I uh, was so excited to see Morai. Uh, Morai also indicated her return and her survival um, in the world between worlds. Uh, and then also when we see Vader discovering uh, Ahsoka's um, lightsaber on that ice planet on the very final shot of the Clone Wars, and he sees an owl, Morai, flying overhead. None of them remember what happened on Mortis. But that's enough for Vader to know through the Force. Something here. She, she's she's still here. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I'm I'm I don't I don't get I don't get to feel settled yet. Okay. I don't I still don't know what happened to my apprentice until they then meet again uh, in Twilight of the Apprentice, which I mentioned before. Um, up until the last four episodes of the Clone Wars was the highest rated thing on IMDb for Star Wars. Wow. Okay. Great. Do you have any more uh, trivia questions for me? Yes, including droids. How many guards do we see Ahsoka kill in the episode? Holy crap, it's so many. Because she has so many. She has two killing sprees in this episode. I mean, at least two killing it's sprees. Not, it, it may not be as many as you think. But. Okay. I mean, I think she must kill at least five in the opening sequence. And 11 total? I counted 14. Okay. I believe I it. Could have got. I could have gotten that wrong. I, I there was one part I went to go back and watch because uh, I went through it a little quickly and felt like I, I may have missed one, but then I forgot. She is a little bloodlusty for sure. Although some yeah. of them are droids, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, we should uh, rattle off some quotes here. I mean, we've said everything there is to say about this episode. It was a, a really phenomenal piece and I'm, i agree with the vast majority of people and the nice thing about this one is it was some of the best and most interesting and revealing and uh witty dialogue we've had in the season so far yeah absolutely uh it was great dialogue um let's see what some of the the good moments uh, or some of the good bits were as i said my uh, price is high a mandalorian and a jedi they'll never see it coming yeah you're gonna need it where you're headed i keep it around for luck i got no quarrel with you mandalorian you know, you and I are a lot alike, willing to lay our lives down for the right cause, which this is not. So you uh, threw in with a Jedi? Looks that way. I, I love that line. Me too. Wake up, buddy. It's time to say goodbye. Breaks your heart. You're like a father to him. I cannot train him. Super video gamey line. Go to the planet Tython. Yeah. There you will find the ancient ruins of the temple that is a strong connection to the forest. Place Grogu on the seeing stone at the top of the mountain. Then Grogu may choose his path. If he reaches out through the forest, there's a chance a Jedi might sense his presence, come searching for him. Then again, there aren't many Jedi left. Well, let me remind you, uh, there you will find is how he ended up here on Corvus. That's what Bo-Katan said to him. There you will find Ahsoka Tana. Right. Uh, and everything is quid pro quo with friggin' Din Djarin. And uh, I think we know what this is the way actually means. I've seen what such, what such feelings can do to a fully trained Jedi Knight to the best of us. I will not start this child down that path. Better to let his abilities fade. Over time, yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, obviously, referring to Anakin there. Oh, yeah. His attachment to you makes him vulnerable to his fears, his anger. Um, any any final words on uh, episode uh, 2.4, 2.5, the Jedi? Really good. It really was. Um It'd be interesting to see who took him and saved him from the Jedi Temple. I mean, we chatted a lot more about um, kind of who's likely to come for him. But like, was it Jocasta New, the librarian? Uh, <laughs> was it uh, someone from the dark? I don't think it was. Was it, um, did Anakin spare him? No. Did Anakin no. didn't spare anyone. 
But if Not that's that the case, like he killed all those younglings in that room. Did like Grogu find like a loose floorboard? And he saw like Master Skywalker's coming in. I sense some pissed off tension in Master Skywalker. I'm a hide under here. <laughs> um, can you go ask Mr. Skywalker what's up? And we know there's too many of them, and that's why I'm a hide under here. <laughs> uh, there was some really lovely Dadalorian moments in this episode, like in the in the, the pacing. Well, and also like get the rock, Grogu. He's almost like talking to him, like he's almost like he's you, like he's a dog. <laughs> do you want this? Well, yeah. go ahead. That's right. Take it. Come on. Come on. You can have it. Come on. Good job. Oh, good job, kid. You see that? That's right. I knew you could do it. Very yeah. good. He's so proud of him. He is. But the, like, the pacing that he does, like when Ahsoka and him are meditating, it's like a dad waiting outside like the delivery room. Yeah. Or like a kid being interviewed for like a private school. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, is he going to get in? Is he going to get in? Uh, I, I know he can do it. I swear I saw him. Right. I, I, I promise you he can do this. He's really smart. <laughs> it's really sweet. Uh, yeah. It is really sweet. And it further proves um, that he's the... He's like a father to him, and that and that, um, that is the true journey and point of the show, and uh, it was really, really wonderful. Just one other cool um, uh, set design thing. How about the, the like the stocks, the dinosaurs? City? Oh, that's true. No, I was gonna say oh, like <laughs> like the gallows where the people are like being tortured outside the the city gate. Those were gross, Those horrifying, were awful, yeah, so mean, but very, very, very Star Warsy. So on the nose with the way that. Uh, it just felt so I, I felt like I've seen them before almost was it clear to you that this like pe random peasant was rightfully the the governor no. of this city? that was kind of a weird transition for me oh no that was one of my other questions I had that I forgot to write down uh, anyway, do you know his name wing yeah <laughs> governor wing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay we should move on there's probably uh, well there's at least one significant news item uh, that we should probably get to because we're running long unsurprisingly today uh, yeah let's move on to kind of the news and uh, some of the other things going on uh, let's actually I'll talk a couple bit more things about what's actually to come on the remainder of the se this season of Mando okay uh, so no more Sasha Banks this season uh, she indicated that so that means that there's a decent chance no more of that Mando trio um, but in that same vein, we also do know that Rosario Dawson worked with um, the dude, Simon Casamanda. I don't remember his last name, but it starts with, I think, a K-A-S-S. Okay. Um, so if she worked with him, then that means that they've either started working on stuff for later in the season or part of that, like two of the three Mandalorians uh, and Ahsoka come back in one of the last episodes of the season. So... I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but it does seem to indicate that they will be turning up again, but we're not sure when. Maybe in the next couple episodes, maybe not. So there's been some kind of confliction there, which I'm not really sure as to what that really means. Um, I mentioned a little while back about Rosario Dawson having some kind of gross accusations against her um, and against her family. Uh, fortunately, uh, 18 of 20 of them were dropped. All of them against her were dropped. No settlement outside of court. Uh, they were just completely dropped by the person. Just family um, drama. It, it, it was. The last two that are still remaining are, it's a family friend, and I think they're against her mother. Um, she was very open and spoke about them, saying that if this were true, it would be terrible, and I would be on all your side. Uh, and she does have a long track record that made this seem weird. Uh, so she handled it correctly. They've all been dropped, um, and it seems like the issues handled itself, and that it's it's not an issue at all. Yeah. And so that's 
really nice to see because uh, it always seems like where there's smoke, there's fire, um, but not always. Uh, and so that, that, that was a nice one to see, uh, especially with her getting so much great spotlight um, to not have anything untrue hanging over her. Right. Um, another thing that is kind of interesting, I heard from a fairly credible um, outlet uh, that Slave One will be in this season. Oh, cool. And so that means Boba's coming back this season. Good. And so that means there may be some Boba Fett cliffhanger that means that lends more uh, logic behind why we need a mini series to explain maybe his role in season three. Maybe you're right. Um, so it, it, he is coming likely back. Uh, who knows in what capacity or who he's working with. I've always kind of felt like he was working with Gideon. Um, I feel like there's a better chance Boba Fett's working with Gideon than there is that uh, Thrawn's working with Gideon, for example. Mm -hmm. um, one, I think the one you were probably referring to as uh, the big news piece that is the, the biggest bummer news piece of Shore, which would be the passing of David Krause. Yeah, that really seemed to hit people kind of hard. Uh, and and to be perfectly honest, if you had told me he wasn't with us anymore anyway, I would have believed you because it's not a, a name you hear very often. And frankly, it's not a name you hear very often even in tandem with Star Wars. It's it's so lost on many people that, in fact, it was three men came together to to make original trilogy uh, Darth Vader, uh, yep. not even including George Lucas's input. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, Sebastian Shaw and David Prowse and, and James Earl Jones. And this is the guy who you never saw or heard and yet his uh his involvement in the development of the character is equally important um more important frankly than sebastian shaw's uh, oh definitely because it, i mean his his physical menace just his presence is one of the most iconic film presences uh anyway and i guess because we all knew that even internally without exactly um fitting the pieces together, um, taking a lot of time to appreciate him um, mm. on a regular basis. I think we all were uh, subconsciously aware of that. And so it was really sad when he passed away. He was 85 years old. Yeah. Uh, he he was uh, suffering from Alzheimer's apparently. Um, okay. But the worst part is though, he passed from COVID, unfortunately. So. Oh, okay. Um, I think I did know that actually. Wear a mask, people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that certainly is unfortunate. He did uh, wear a James mask, Earl to be fair. He did. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my point. So in honor of the man, David Prowse, the, the, the man behind the mask, wear your fucking masks, yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a pretty great example of good reason behind it. And even like James Earl Jones uh, felt like David Prowse was the more important uh, role of the two of them. Uh, so I think that's... Uh, he famously, um, nice. famously uh, had some words after he realized that he'd been oh, yeah. he'd been dubbed over, and he has like a thick Scottish brogue. And on the one hand, you're you're glad that if, I mean, obviously you're glad that James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. You couldn't imagine it any other way. But if you'd never experienced that, would some kind of electrolyzed Scottish accent work behind Darth Vader? After all, that's what Bane sounds like, and it's kind of silly. And yet it's also not so silly that it doesn't work. And so maybe there could have been a Scottish Darth Vader. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's possible. Maybe, but I'm going to say the right decision was certainly made. Look, uh, I agree. I'm just saying in another yeah. world, there's an alternative universe where Darth Vader was Scottish. And those people loved Star Wars too. Yeah. I, I, think, I read somewhere that uh, George Lucas... Um, 
or I, I, I should, yeah, he did. But like they, they shot the scene with David Prowse as well for David Prowse, the oh. Sebastian Shaw scene. Yeah. Okay. So like he got, he got to do the lines and got to act it with Mark Hamill. Um, and I like, maybe he has that tape or something. Um, what was, like they, they, they did let him take the mask off. Uh, they just didn't use it in the movie. <laughs> I mean, he was in the suit for three movies. What was so wrong with him getting to be the unmasked Anakin Skywalker? On camera. Um, to be honest, probably because he wouldn't look kind enough as a force ghost. Oh, oh okay. That's probably the only, like, that's the only thing I can think of. And also the, the voice, you'd have to dub over him again. Well, he's an actor. He could probably change his voice if he had to. He wasn't an actor, really. He was oh. a bodybuilder. Oh. Um, he did, he did, um, apparently, I didn't know this, but he trained Christopher Reeve for Superman. And so, like, uh, he certainly worked in the industry, but he wasn't, uh, and he was an actor in the sense that he was certainly a physical actor, um, but he wasn't an actor in the in a traditional sense. And he was offered Chewbacca as well. Yes, uh, and wanted uh, Darth Vader because everybody knows uh, knows a bad guy. Yeah, it's true. He chose Which well. They well, yes, but they knew James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. What else? Uh, what else is going on? Not really a whole lot else in the news. Uh, we are getting a second season of Mandalorian Gallery, which is awesome. Mm. I adored season one, so I'm really excited to see the behind the scenes on all of this stuff. Yeah, like, that's going to be so incredible. Uh, so uh, this episode in particular, uh, thus far, would take the cake on what I would want to uh, see the behind the scenes on. Uh, Dave Filoni talked about it a little bit, uh, and Rosario Dawson as well, and. Uh, they thanked Ashley Eckstein uh, as well for her um, involvement in such a long time on creating the character. And that's something that the whole community has been really uh, great at um, loving and being really excited about Rosario, but at the same time um, appreciating and giving call outs to Ashley Eckstein for um, being the voice and brought the character to life for so long. And she is not involved with this new Ahsoka iteration at all. Not at all, uh, and uh, I don't think she really even knew anything about it until the rumors came on the internet in the same way that Timothy Zahn, uh, the creator of Thrawn, um, back in the like late 80s when he was writing those books, um, he, he didn't even know this was coming. Uh, and so he thought that was like really cool. <laughs> well, he, yeah, and if I'm Timothy Zahn, I would think that's really cool too. I would. If I'm, yeah. if I'm Ashley Eckstein, I might... In my right brain, think this is really cool, and in my left brain, left brain, feel a little weird about it. I think that's absolutely the case. Yeah, uh, I, I think it would be impossible to not feel that way a bit. Um, and and I, I would hope that Dave Filoni gave her a good heads up, but we don't know, and you don't know that how the industry can work. And hopefully, she's just been a a, a very good sport uh, about pretending to be dumb, but um, was told long ago. But like she doesn't have the same acting experience as other potential By the way, people who could take that role. And maybe she could have done a good job, but it's also an Ahsoka who's a lot older. And so yeah, she's not she old get enough. away with that. She's not old enough to play this current Ahsoka. By the way, Ashley Eckstein rules. I heard her on a podcast yeah. about six months ago, and she's just like a really like cool, wonderful person who who wants good things for like young female Star Wars fans. And she's like really proud of 
of what Ahsoka can represent to Star Wars. And so I, I certainly hope she gets to continue being a, a version of that character, in, whether it's at Galaxy's Edge or, or in some capacity. I'm sure she can continue having a relationship with that character. I think very much so. I think that... I still think that she's likely working on a show. I, I think that there's likely uh, multiple Ahsoka projects in the works. I like. I think there's a decent chance there could be two Rebels spinoffs, and that they could mul- deal with a couple different timelines. Um, maybe not, but it wouldn't be. But I, that doesn't mean that it's the end of Ahsoka. Nope. Um, if they ever took her off of the animation voiceover, fans would be livid. There yeah. would be no logic behind that, and, and no reason doing that. I mean. Ashley Eckstein was the one as like a very like young uh, voice actress was brought in by someone like George Lucas and uh, a fresh face Dave Filoni. And so she's she's grown with the character. And so she she would fit for that regard. Um, But that also allows someone like Rosario um, so much backlog to work with as well and helped her uh, frame the character and she even said that uh, and watched lots of uh, Clone Wars to be able to um, know the character so well there's something I can very easily picture Cory Booker watching lots of Clone Wars with Rosario Dawson I could just very yeah. I can very easily see him geeking out over over Clone Wars for some reason <laughs> yes they they, they, uh, they seem uh, they seem very very lovely <laughs> yeah cute couple for sure yeah, what else like, what what else is going cool. on um, not not a whole lot, really. Um, I've got some notes here that uh, I've got left over from last week. I see. Um, I don't think there's really anything else in the news. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any birthdays? Uh, just one. Not a big birthday week. A happy birthday on Tuesday, December first, to Riz Ahmed. Probably never going to be seen in Star Wars again. Hopefully, we see Love him somewhere. Love Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Bodie Rook is uh, one of the most useless characters in Star Wars. Yeah. Well, he does get to name the movie. He does in like uh, <laughs> in one of the man, worst. Those, those those standalone movies did really weird gags about the way that they introduced the title of the movie. Yeah. Han Solo. Solo. We're Rogue One. <laughs> hey, Luke. You know, you're a new hope for me on this. <laughs> I think uh, we've got to make sure that this. Uh, Blowing up the Death Star here doesn't make the Empire strike back. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it, they don't do any of that shit. But uh, you know, Rogue One is a good title, whereas Solo. Eh. The the crawl the opening crawl for The Force Awakens is just the Force is asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of. I did actually. I, I actually. I, I hate the name The Rise of Skywalker. I think it's one of the worst name movies. And yeah. I don't like the name The Last Jedi for the way that it's the middle movie in the series. And I don't necessarily think it's the best name one, but it definitely sounds Star Wars-y. Yeah. Um, but I like the way that they used those kind of, like the logic behind the way that those movies were named. Um, and uh, all of the saga movies have, have, have good logic behind their naming. Um, I think Rise of Skywalker and Attack of the Clones are the only ones that I just don't like at all. Attack of the Clones is just very serialized sounding. It sounds like a, like we've often it's, talked but, about how it sounds like who are they attacking? No, you're right. But for the I mean Return of the Jedi, there's lots said about how it was supposed to be Revenge of the Jedi, which would have been a bad title too. It would have been a very bad title. Yeah. And actually Return of the Jedi is my favorite title for its implications on Anakin. Yeah. 
more so than even the fact that it is referring to Luke and the Jedi as a whole. Is that but, is that uh, urban myth true? By the way, that both George Lucas wanted Revenge of the of the Jedi and Gene Roddenberry wanted Revenge of Khan, and so they both just decided not to pick Revenge, and they they both came up with better titles for their movies. Uh, I think it is true, but yeah. I don't think it's true that they both did it because they both wanted it. Okay, I think George Lucas changed it because he realized it was a mistake. Um, they, that may have been the case as to why Trek did it. I have heard that one, um, but there's also so many, so many Star Wars urban myths that aren't true that that one could be one of them. But I, d- I don't know. Uh, I should look into that. Well, happy birthday to Riz Ahmed. Uh, we would very much like to hear your thoughts on uh, the Mandalorian episode, The Jedi. Anything that you can predict about what's to come? Any questions you might have for Ross? Because God knows I don't know. Uh, you can email us at recorder66podcast at gmail.com or, re- or tweet us at recorder66. Um, rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Next week, we will be back with episode six from from season two. And so very likely fourteen en- entering some kind of uh, final arc probably we're probably inching towards some kind of climactic excitement in uh, in Friday's episode of The Mandalorian can't wait for that until we are together again may the force be with you